Hey everyone, it's great to be with you again today as we continue in our series called Course Correction. And as we get started, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever been tempted to throw in the towel? Have you ever been tempted to just walk away, just to leave it all behind? Have you ever experienced those moments in life? Maybe it was in your job or in a relationship. Maybe it was at church or in a marriage or at school when everything inside of you just wants to run. It wants to, to go back, to turn away, to quit. After all, it would just be easier. But instead, you muster the resolve to do something profound and even powerful. You decide to stay, even though it would be easier to go. You see, William Shakespeare articulated this resolve. He says, I have more care to stay than will to go. You see, most of us, if, if not all of us here today, have experienced these types of crossroad moments in life, right? Sometimes they're just kind of these flip of the coin, you know, decisions. It really, doesn't really make a huge difference. But other times, they're really deep, profound. They carry a big domino effect. The decision I make has a huge domino effect of what my life looks like tomorrow and even how it affects others. And while staying isn't always the only thing we can do, Sometimes it is the right thing we can do. And we ask ourselves, should I stay or should I go? We've been asking ourselves this question, what kind of story do I want my life to tell when it's just a story someone tells? And we've made some decisions. We're going to decide to start something. We need to stop something. And today we're going to ask this question, should I stay? What Should I make a decision to stay when it would be easier to go. You know, I've begun to recognize even in my own life that there are this pressure of quitting happens in certain times. You know, it doesn't happen when the wind is blowing and the sails are flowing and everything's going well. What happens, the pressure of quitting happens when? Usually in a hardship, usually in a failure or following a failure, usually when things don't go as planned, usually when Maybe trust is broken or relationships are broken or vows are broken. Maybe when your capacity is enlarged and you get a promotion, a new job, it sounded great, but once you get in, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this pressure. I think I'm going to quit. Or maybe when God is leading you into new places that are different and maybe even difficult at times. Maybe when you, all you see are two options and you don't really understand how you're going to play out and you can't really see that third option. You see, we all love routine. We all love the path of least resistance, right? And anytime we feel tension or anytime we feel strain, we often look for a way out. But here's the thing I've learned. Tension and being stretched is not only a natural but even a necessary part of growth. We, we, if we don't allow ourselves to be stretched, if we don't put ourselves in positions to be strained, to, to be stretched, to, to, be, to feel tension at some point in our life, then we'll always remain the same. Tension is a natural part of growth. And so here's some things I just need us to understand right from the very beginning. Staying does not mean you're stuck. Okay? Staying does not mean you're stuck. Staying does not mean that things can't change. Staying does not things that things can't get better. It, it doesn't mean that. Staying doesn't, doesn't mean that you're selling out or, or you're giving in. Staying doesn't... Staying doesn't mean that you're just sort of, well, it is what it is. No, staying, here's what staying means. Staying means that regardless of what happens, 
I'm not going anywhere. Because staying is the right thing to do. So many times, maybe for most of the time, it's not even most of the logical thing. It's not even the most logical thing to do. Sometimes the best decision goes against conventional wisdom and trends. And that's why we so desperately need to know and hear and listen and follow the voice of God in our life. This, this verse that I've been coming back to regularly, it was Jesus talking to disciples in John 15, 5, and he's telling them, listen, listen, I am the vine, right? And you are the branches, and those who abide, those who remain, those who stay in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's this idea that Jesus is calling us to stay to remain, to hold on to him, for apart from him we can do nothing. The book of Ruth is an incredible story of the staying power. It's a book found in the Old Testament. And if you're unfamiliar with the story of Ruth, let me just give you a little synopsis. It's, it's really focused around this one family, this one woman named, named Naomi. It starts with her and her family who are from Judah. And there's a famine in the land. And so Naomi's family, her husband, and her two boys kind of leave. They flee from Judah, and they go to a, a place called Moab. And in Moab, they kind of find their home and establishment. But shortly after moving there, Naomi's husband dies. Naomi's husband dies, and she's left with these two boys. And eventually, her two sons get married to a, a Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. And about 10 years after husband has now died, tragedy strikes again, and now her sons both die. And so now Naomi and Orpah and Ruth are all left as widows, all three of them without husbands or sons. And this is tragic. This is tragic in any time of life, in any period of life, in any, in any time in history. But in this time of history, it was even more tragic because for some reason, but which we don't fully understand, women were not allowed to work. They were not allowed to earn their own income. And so they depended on their husbands. They depended on their sons for security and survival and income. And so Naomi's only option in this place was to basically place herself at the mercy of others to essentially become a beggar. And she was in a foreign land, so she thought, listen, the famine is now over in Judah. I'm going to have to go back home and just place myself at the mercy of my family, my extended family, those who know me, my tribe. And hopefully I will be able to survive. But she, she pulls her daughter's laws, and even though her heart is for them. She says, listen, I, I have nothing for you. I have no more children for you. It's better for you to go home. You're young enough to maybe find a new husband and have a family, but I cannot help you. And it was tough. This is a heartbreaking moment. And while Orpah agreed and, 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 and took Naomi's blessing to leave, the story in Ruth says that Ruth decided to stay. That she was completely, even though she was completely unclear about her future, she was certain of this one thing, that she wasn't going anywhere. Listen, Ruth had no idea what was going to be laid in front of her. She's going now, Ruth is a Moabite who's going to a, a new land, a foreign land with unknown people, no husband, no children, and yet she chooses to stay when it would be easier or even more logical to go. 
And I'm learning something in my life, in this season in my life, even now today, is that you can be unclear and certain at the same time. You can be unclear and certain at the same time. You can be unclear of how things are going to play out, but certain that God is calling you to go. Uncertain of how things are going to work out and how things are going to, how things are going to uh, unveil themselves and work themselves out, but certain what God is asking you to do. To know what is right, but not know how it's all going to happen. Have you ever been in those life, those moments? Have you found yourself in situations like that where you know in your heart this is the right thing to do, to stay, to stick it out, to work it through, to stay in relationship, to put it first, even though I have no idea how we're going to do this. And this is where Ruth is. She is uncertain of her future, but she is certain that she wants to stay with Naomi. And we pick up her story in Ruth 1, 15. It says, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods, and you should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave or turn back, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death. Come on, this is a, a bold statement, right? Anything but death to separate us. And see, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to stay with her, was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. This is a powerful moment. This powerful encounter, this powerful conversation, this determination, this resolve that we get to witness in Ruth's story. Did you catch, though, this one thing that you need clarity on if you're going to stay? Did you catch this, this one central battle when it comes to every temptation you'll face in your life? And here is the question. Who will be your God? Who will you place your trust in? Where will you place your trust. And Ruth comes to this realization. Ruth comes to this awareness. Ruth comes to this conviction deep in her heart that your God will be my God. That I am going to stay with you. You have something that I want and I am going to learn and live like that too. And I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where we're going to find ourselves when we go back to the land of Judah. We've been away a long time, but I know who holds the future. And like many of you today, I myself find myself in seasons like that where, listen, I don't know what the future holds. There's a lot of things that are uncertain, right, in our life and in our world. But I, like Naomi, have come to this resolve, and like Ruth, rather, that while I don't know what the future holds, I know who holds the future. And I have chosen, like many of you here today, that, you, that God will be my God and I will put my trust in him. And, and here's, here's kind of a lesson we need to learn. Staying power. Staying power is trusting that God is greater than whatever you are currently facing. Staying power, the ability to stay when it would be easier to go. Staying power is trusting that God is greater when it would be easier when to tour over whatever you're currently 
facing. Listen, not just believing that God is great, but trusting. I've learned that these are two very different things, right? Believing is root in knowledge. Belief is root in knowledge. But trust is established through experience. See, trusting that God is, that God is able, instead of trusting in false gods, trusting that God can redeem and restore and make new instead of leaving and starting over again, trusting that God will provide or make a way instead of maybe just following the crowd and doing what everyone else does. See, Ruth went into this moment with her eyes wide open And she saw the immense challenge of the current situation, but she made a choice and she placed her trust, not in Naomi, not in the land of Judah, but in God to see them through. Choosing to stay is choosing to trust Jesus in the midst of what you're going through. It's choosing to trust Jesus. And I'm not going to say that It's always wrong to go. It's not always wrong to go, but there are defining moments in all of our lives where we need to learn how to stay. There is the defining moments as we hear the voice of God in our lives and in our story. We need to learn to stay the course, to stick to it, to follow through, to bring it to completion. You see, it's hard. It's, it's, it, this is a hard thing to do. It's almost impossible, though, if you are fixing your eyes on others, if you're fixing your eyes on, situ- on people, if you're fixing your on other people around you, if you're fixing your eyes on the outcomes only and the resolve, if you're fixing your eyes on other opportunities and moving opportunities, it's impossible. And that's why the writer of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our story. He's the one leading us. And we we pick up that that scripture in Hebrews 12. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, the sin that clings to us us so closely, and let us run with endurance this race that is set out before us. And here's what it is. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here it is now. Consider him who endured. Come on. If there's not a a better word that describes stay, endured. He endured from sinners such hostility against him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider Jesus. Consider him who endured. You see, the night that Jesus was betrayed in the garden, he was, he was praying to the Father desperately, looking for another way to redeem humanity, not wanting to die on the cross. And not, it was going to be hard. It was, it was going to be painful. It was going to be agonizing. Jesus knew it. He knew what he was going to submit himself to, and he prayed if there's any other way, if there's a way out, if there's a way around, if there's a way that I can get to the final destination without having to walk this road, Lord, make it happen. Father, reveal it to me. But then he follows it and says, but listen, but not my will, yours be done. He, he resolved in placing his trust in the Father. And I pray that that will, our, that will be our prayer here today when we face hard things, when we face hard seasons in life. And I know it's not always going to be easy. 
I know that these are hard decisions and these are daily decisions. And honestly, in a lot of ways, we can't do it alone. We need people around us. We need the presence of God. We need the Holy Spirit's power. But we also need people around us because it is a hard decision. Sometimes one of the hardest decisions you'll ever make in your life. It's not going to be easy to, to walk this through. It, it may not be easy to forgive that person. I can forgive those people, but that person, I just don't know if I could forgive. To mend that relationship or to restore that trust. To go back to work again another day to a job that I just despise, that I just don't like. But like Jesus, we catch a glimpse. We get a glimpse of a vision. We get a vision of the, the bigger picture. And we choose to stay even when it would be easier to leave. Are you with me today? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Have you been in those moments? Have you asked those questions? Have you wrestled through those feelings? One of the practical ways I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus is by reading these personal declarations I discovered several years ago. And I kind of found them and I, I made them my own and relatively regularly, not every day, but there are definitely seasons where more frequently than others where I read these declarations over my life to remind me that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of my story. And that sometimes when I'm willing to quit or want to toss it in, I have to give myself a better picture, a clearer picture of the call of God on my life, that I'm a minister, not, not that I'm a paid minister, but I'm a minister as a follower of Jesus Christ. I've, I've been called, right? You have been called. We have responsibility. And so I, I read these over myself out loud and remind my head and my heart, this is who I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. Christ loves me because of who he is and not because of what I have, can, or will do. Jesus is first in my life and I exist to serve and glorify him. I am disciplined and Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. My words and my thoughts, my imaginations are under the power of Christ and I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I, I am creative and, and innovative and driven and focused and blessed beyond measure because of the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I wake up with purpose and direction and meaning every day of my life. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. I'm not a victim of circumstance, but I'm gifted and created to lead and to change circumstances from what they are to what they could be. I am victorious. I can do all things through Christ and for Christ because of Christ and his power at work in me. And today the world and those within my reach will be different and better today because I serve Jesus today. You see, in moments when I'm tempted to quit, or to make an emotional decision that determines the next step. I am training myself. Come on, someone say training. I am training myself every day. Training myself to stop and realign myself to God's word, his promises, and his purpose for my life. And from there, I attempt to make decisions based on obedience and trust and not my emotions. And I'll tell you what, some days, you know, I got to work at it, but it's okay. Other days, it's hard. Other days, I really have to dig deep to follow in the plan and the purpose for God. Because I want my story to be a story worth telling. So here's that question again. What story do you want your life to tell when it's only a story that someone tells?
when you find yourselves at the crossroad moments of life, what does God want you to want? What does God want you to do? What does God want you to decide? You might be unclear on a lot of things, but the one thing you need to know is what is he asking you to pursue? What is the life he's asking you to live? What is the story he's asking you to write? In what area of your life is God asking you to stay the course so that you can tell others a story that he wants to tell through your life? Remember, the decisions we make today, right, determine the story we tell tomorrow. And here's what's true, and here's what I'm learning in the process, is that breakthrough in one area carries a powerful effect in another area. It may not just be about the diploma, but it's about finishing what you start. It may not be about fixing the other person or or correcting the other person, but allowing God to change your heart and your perspective. It, It may not be about finally having a reason to leave and a reason to throw in the towel, but embracing the opportunity to forgive. You see, for Ruth, her experience, she experienced a breakthrough in staying with Naomi as they, as they migrated back to Judah and as they found themselves there. Naomi was looking for food and in a field that had been harvested and she's picking the leftovers and then one day she encounters the owner of this field named Boaz. And he was a man who her, his heart leapt for Ruth. And he owned the field and, and, even, and he took compassion on her and he gave her permission to, to drink from his well and, and he instructs no one, none of his workers to bother her. Instead, in fact, he even instructs some of his workers to leave a few extra pieces behind for her. He sees something different in her, in her response and in her heart and in her attitude. And he responds, and we pick up the story in Ruth 2.11. And this is now Boaz saying, he says, I, I know about you, Ruth. Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. And may the Lord, the God of Israel, whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. You see, we are called to walk in obedience. To hear the voice of God in our life to know his will, to know what he's asking us to do, to hear him and to follow and not necessarily worry about the outcome. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. And that's always hard, right? It's hard to take that step when you don't know where necessarily this step is going to lead you. But that's what faith is all about. This idea that I'm walking in faith, I'm following in obedience, trusting that my life, the author of my life, sees the beginning from the end. And if I trust in him and commit my life to him the way that Ruth committed her life to God, that God will take care of her. And here's how the story of Ruth ends. It's amazing that Boaz, who ends up being kind of this, that her family, her Naomi's extended family member, the Bible calls him his, their kinsman redeemer. This was a, an extended family member who took responsibility for Naomi and her family, ends up marrying Ruth. And they have a son, they have a son named Obed, And Obed becomes the father of Jesse. And Jesse becomes the father of David. Yes, King David. And so all of a sudden, through Ruth's obedience of being a Moabite, traveling from an unknown to an unknown land, and submitting herself to God, she becomes part, she becomes woven into God's story. And if you follow the genealogy from King David, 
Jesus is from the line of King David. So Jesus is from the lineage of Ruth. Isn't that amazing? There's no way that Ruth would have known that. There's no way that that's what she planned when she said, your God will be my God. She just walked in obedience. She walked in faith. She was called to stay when it had been easier or more logical or more, even more convenient for her to go. See, Ruth didn't stay because she knew there was something better for her on the other side. She stayed because she believed it was right, and that is why God blessed her. So there are times in our life where we should walk away. I'm not saying that staying is always the answer. There are times where we, we need to walk away, and we're going to talk about that next week when, it's, when it's gonna, we need to go, right, when it would be easier to stay. And this is why we need to hear the voice of God. But before you make that decision, you need, to, you need to ask, am I choosing to give up because it's the right thing? Or am I choosing to give up because it's the easier thing? What is the right thing to do? Maybe you're in college right now, and, and you've been thinking, I'm, I'm just not going to make it. It's, it's too expensive. It's too much work. It's just, it's too hard. And you know what? I don't even know what the future holds right now. What, what's even the point? See, a lot of people would just walk away. But if God is asking you and he's speaking to you and he's telling you to stay and, and you hear that still small voice telling you you're not a quitter, you're a finisher, you're going to start, you're going to complete what you started and you need to put those blinders on and you need to, to get a second job and take it one step at a time and after semester, after semester, just keep going. One class here and, and another class there and, and a semester later and then one day you're going to look back and you're going to realize, come on, you have a degree. You have finished what you started and your story may be that you, it wasn't easy. But today I have a job that I wouldn't have had if I had quit. But I hung in there because I'm not a quitter. I'm a finisher. Maybe something happened to you at church that you're not so happy about. Maybe someone did something that was really, really unchristlike, unchristian, and, and that really challenged your faith and, and really challenged your feelings. And now you're thinking, Christians, really? Whatever. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. Forget about them. And someone once said, that the church would be great if it weren't for people. But here's the thing, the church is people. The church is made up of people who are imperfect and, and who, 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 who have good hearts but sometimes make wrong decisions. And we can hurt people once in a while. But what does God want you to want? Maybe, maybe God wants your story to be, someone at church hurt me pretty badly actually, but with God's help I was able to do for them what Christ did for me. I forgave them. And we worked through our differences. And that was 10 years ago and today... I'm at a place spiritually that I didn't even know was possible. Now we don't just go to church. We are the church. And together we're making a difference in our world and our community. And it would have been so much easier to go. But today my life is different because I stayed. Because I finished it through. Maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe you've been trying to come to terms with God. And you're trying to understand why God would allow something like that to happen. You don't understand why would God, why would a good God allow that to take place? And ever since, you've been, you've been crying out to God, God, couldn't you have stopped this? Couldn't you have changed this? Couldn't you have redeemed this and restored this? Why did you let this happen? And while your story could be like so many others who choose to walk away from God, you decide to stay. And after some time passes, maybe you look back and reflecting on your story, and you realize that even though you didn't know it at the time. God was using the very thing that you hated to change you and transform your life. And now, what the enemy intended for evil, God 
somehow used for good and now is using your story to help others struggling through the same issues and the same heartaches and the same hang-ups that you once faced. Maybe it's a relationship or even your marriage that once was so bright and so full of life is now just feels like it's an everyday battle and you just can't get through it. Now let me just make a little caveat here. If Past mistakes are past mistakes, and, and we can go back. We can't go back and change them, but if you're in a situation that is actively and constantly abusive, that is not a decision to stay in that relationship. You need to get help. You need to separate yourself so both you and your spouse, God willing, can find help separately. So I'm not asking you today, please don't hear what I'm saying, to stay in an abusive relationship. That's not what we're talking about. But here's what I am saying. In our society this, this saying comes up, I'm just not happy anymore. I'm just not happy anymore. That, that girl at work is really cute and she laughs at my jokes and she's nice to me. Nicer than the conversation I had with my wife this morning before I left. And we, we believe that the grass is greener on the other side, that it would just be easier if I left, jumping from one relation to another. But maybe God's asking you to stay, even though it's not easy and even though you don't feel it right now. Maybe your story could be something like this. It was really, really hard. We even hated each other at times and wanted to murder one another, but because we didn't believe in murder, we just prayed that God would quietly keep them, keep them in their sleep. Just take them in their sleep, you know? But we trusted God and we stayed. We got counseling. We prayed through it. We, we got into a life group and encouraged one another and encouraged us and put our marriage back on track and back together. And today, our family is together. We're flawed, but we're full of faith and forgiveness. See, maybe, maybe you've already been remaining faithful. Maybe you're in a situation where, listen, I have stayed and, I, and I'm continuing to stay. And you've been doing that for a long time and you've been stayed in the same boring job and, and you feel like a failure. Maybe you're raising children but you still feel like a failure. Maybe you're stuck in the same boring marriage and you feel like a 20-year-old failure. Can I tell you this today? Sometimes the greatest act of faithfulness is staying where you're planted. Sometimes the greatest act of faith, rather, is faithfulness. Staying where you're planted. I'm just going to be faithful. I'm hearing the voice of God. And God is asking me to stay. And though I can feel that maybe in my heart, my mind thinks it better be easier to leave God, I know in my heart you're calling me to stay. And so I'm going to remain faithful. So I want to tell a story that's worth telling. And God, I pray you give me your strength to do this. I love Proverbs 3. Again, we've talked about this already, but this theme keeps resonating in my heart. Maybe it's just because of the season I'm in in life, or maybe because we're all feeling, but I just feel this idea of placing our trust in God. We don't place our trust in systems and policies and politicians and parties, but we place our trust in Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Simon, Solomon rather, the wisest man on the earth says, place your trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. When you're tempted to walk away, make sure you seek God first. Get to know his word because you never know what he might be doing on the other side of your courage to stay. So what story do you want your life to tell when it's only a story that someone tells? Do you want your life to be a life of obedience and trust 
and faith and resolve or one who just easily gives up and easily walks away. My prayer is that I would find the same resolve that Ruth was able to find in her story. That she would submit herself to God, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And even though she was uncertain about the future, she could be clear of what God is asking her to do. And though our future may be uncertain, we are clear in what God is asking us to do. So what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to stay, to resolve, to hold on, and to follow after him? What story do you want to tell when your life is just a story someone tells? My prayer is that together it'd be a story of people who decide to resolve to trust in God, to hear his voice, and follow obediently after him. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that there are so many seasons and situations in our life where we don't know what tomorrow holds, where we don't know where obedience is going to take us. And while we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. And so, God, today we put our trust in you again. We make the resolve, God, to submit our hearts and our heads and our hands and our feet to your will, to your direction, to your leadership. And God, if you are asking us in this moment to stay, when our mind is asking us to go, but our heart and your spirit is asking us to stay, God, may you give us the courage we need to stay the course. May you give us the people around us we need to give us encouragement to stay the course in order to tell a story worth telling. We thank you, God, that we don't have to walk alone. We thank you that you're a friend that sits close to the brother, that you walk with us, that you came down out of your heaven and to walk into our mess and to walk into our, our, our struggle, to walk with us. And you said you'll never leave us. You will never forsake us. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. We will not be afraid. And so we're going to stand tall because we know we're not doing this in our own strength. We're not staying in our own power. We're not staying in our own might. But by your spirit, we are able to do all things because of who you are and what you have done for us. And so, God, today we submit ourselves to you again, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In your precious name we pray. Amen.